Welcome to today's online message from Long Eaton Oasis Christian Centre. We are a church at the heart of the community, with a heart for the community. And we're so glad that you've joined us. We hope that you'll be inspired and encouraged today. Please don't hesitate to contact us. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, or you can direct message us. Lord, we just thank you for Andrew. We thank you for his servant heart, his inspiration, and the gift that you have made him to this church. And we just pray that as he comes to speak this morning, that he will have tremendous liberty and freedom to share that which you've laid upon his heart for us. And also, likewise, we open up our hearts to your word, Jesus, that it might not only inspire us, but change us to more, to be more like you, more from glory to glory, to reflect you, Jesus, we pray. In your name we ask. Amen. Good morning. Great to see you all this, uh, I was going to say sunny morning. Last week, Freddie spoke about um, being still in our Say Last Summer series, being still. Great message that Freddie brought to us and really uh, honed in on that idea of surrendering to God. And then the week before, Adrian shared about um, being blessed. And if you've not heard them, I want to encourage you to go back and have a listen to them. Uh, This week, we are continuing this series, as Adrian says, and we're looking at Psalm 3. If you've got your Bibles with you, find it, whether it's digital, download, bits of paper, in a proper Bible like I have, um, find that, Psalm 3. And we're focusing on... Uh, fear factor. So as I'm getting ready and you're finding that, why don't you ask the person next to you whether there's ever been a time when they've been fearful or afraid, okay? Has there ever been a moment where you faced a fear or not? Wonderful. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to ask anyone to share them, although I'm going to share a story in a moment about when I was absolutely terrified. Me and my daughter went to see uh, Meg 2. Has anyone heard of that at the cinema? It's like Jaws on steroids, honestly. And, uh, and, and it, basically, you're watching two hours of people running around screaming because there's a big shark. And then every so often, there's the jump moment. You feel your whole row at the cinema jump up because everyone's scared. It's a bit of a white-knuckle ride, but it's essentially about a big shark. Everyone's terrified. You, people go for that kind of fear thrill, don't they? In fact, there was a program in the early 2000s, and it was called Fear Factor. And people were exposed to their greatest fears, whether it's heights or enclosed spaces, or spiders, snakes, whatever it might have been. So there's a a program named that. And I'm sure there's points where we've all had fear. We've all been afraid of something. And so this morning, we're going to go on a bit of a journey. But already, I feel that God's been speaking into this through Esther's prayer. And then the, the psalm that Jay brought there as well reminded us of God's presence with us. And that's where we're going. Psalm chapter three, then let's read it together. Oh, Lord, I'm reading from the NLT version. Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, oh, Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. Yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. The NIV version says, I will not fear. This says, I will not be afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. 
And then verse 7, Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. <laughs> the Bible just says it, doesn't it? Shatter the teeth of the wicked. If it was nowadays, I'd have a job to get a dentist to repair those shattered teeth. But that's another story. Verse 8, let's go to that. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. We're thinking about uh, fears. It was a few years back, uh, and we were at our old house, and... Uh, We'd finished youth, it was uh, on a Thursday evening, finished a youth ministry that happens in, in the, was happening in the week then. I get home, settling down for the night. It's about half past 11 at night, and then there was a... At the door, and I turned to Penny, and she turned to me. Are we expecting anyone? No. And often the youth drop, just dropped round unannounced. And I said, well, it's half 11. I don't think any of the young people will be... So... Uh, knock again and I opened the door and it was our neighbour our neighbour kept himself to himself never spoke to us just hello over the, the wall sort of thing and he says uh, can you come to my house I'm like oh it's, it's half eleven at night he said there's, there's someone in my house I said what do you do in that moment so I thought yeah I'll come with you <laughs> and I walked into his, his hallway and he said I said have you not got a light in here just to put the because it was in complete darkness and he said no the bulb's gone in there I said okay let's go into the next room and I said where are they he said they're upstairs and uh, I go into the next room and I go to put the switch on he said no bulb don't work in that one either <laughs> I'm I'm terrified out of my skin not knowing who's there in complete darkness in unfamiliar surroundings and then uh, go I go to the bottom of the stairs and I you know what's coming. I put the light switch on there. He said, no, that bulb doesn't work either. True story, isn't it, Pen? this? Absolutely true. And so I thought, I know what I've got to do. I've got to switch identity just so whoever it is up there will be scared of me rather than me scared of them. So I said, I'm the police. <laughs> and then, is the police here? <laughs> and he says, well, he shouted, actually. He shouted, you're not the police. You're my neighbour. <laughs> it's like... In that moment, I felt crushing fear descend upon me. And, and so he said, you've got to go up, you've got to go up. Anyway, the story goes on. It won't, it, someone was, I think the window was open or there was some, some, something blowing around up there. But I was terrified. I was scared. I was fearful in that moment because I didn't know what was going to take place. And, um, and, and it led to all sorts of other things, including getting new bulbs in his house as well. Uh, I don't know if you follow the news, but the news can be very depressing at the best of times. And um, over the last few years, we've, we've had a barrage of news stories that have just fear-mongering stories. And uh, in fact, there was a leak, this was a few years ago now, there was a leaked video of a reporter uh, un that was filmed undercover that saying that COVID was what they needed, this news channel, because fear sells news. Fear sells news. And if it's not a pandemic, it's, it's climate change, it's financial crisis, it's one thing after another. And Adrian shared this over previous weeks uh, when, when Adrian was talking about facing storms in our life. This, we, we face a barrage of things that keep us locked into a sense of fear. We can live in a constant state of fear because of what is taking place in the world and also what we're fed about the world. Fear can grip us. It's, and it's often fear of the unknown, uh, fear of the future, about, about things that could happen that might not happen. And fear does a few things. Fear controls. Fear controls. We end up making decisions based on fear. It convinces us that we need to submit 
to that fear. Fear also cripples. It can keep us froze to the spot, knowing not quite sure, knowing not what to do next or, or where to go. Uh, and so it can, it can cripple us or freeze us. And fear also causes confusion. And we know that there's irrational fears, but we can get irrational thinking from fear. It causes confusion. And, and that's where the enemy wants us. The Bible is very clear about who our enemy is and what he wants to do. And he wants us to be in a state of control and being crippled and not moving forward and confused. And like I said, if we're all honest, we've all had fears. And maybe we're sat here this morning and we are carrying a fear right now in this moment. And I believe that maybe some of us are because of what God's already been saying to us. So this psalm, Psalm 3, is, uh, is as relevant for us now in this moment today as it was the day King David wrote it some 3,000 years ago because it was all about a fear that he was facing. And I want to put this into context for us. Uh, maybe you've picked up in your version that it says at the start of this psalm, a psalm of David regarding the time David fled from his son Absalom. So David, King David was fleeing from his own son Absalom who was conspiring to seize the kingdom off him and uh, take that, away from, that kingship away from him so he could be king. And we think we've got family problems sometimes. This was a next level. A, Absalom was prepared to kill his own dad David to become king and you can read all about that in, in, in 2 Samuel chapters 15 to 18 and, and you can read there that Absalom was actually quite a proud man he was a proud man he even built himself a monument hey look at me this is my monument that's me it's all about me that's that's who he was but his pride and joy was his lovely locks of hair and uh, you can read all about that as well. Now, we thought we had big ear in the 1980s, didn't we? Did anyone have big ear in the 80s? There's a few nods, but they don't really want to admit to it. <laughs> 1980s, all about big ear. The hair was massive. His hair was massive. In fact, the Bible tells us it was about two kilograms in weight. And it was, got so heavy that once a year, it would have a little trim. It, tortoise and hair wasn't available back then, was it, Mike? But it'd have a little trim. Could you imagine carrying two bags of sugar on your head? <laughs> That's the weight of his hair. It was massive. But what happened was, what eventually happened was, his, his plot failed. Absalom fled from uh, King David's men when they gave chase. Absalom ran, uh, rode under a, a tree on a horse. His big hair got caught in a branch. His horse carried on. It's like a comedy sketch, this, isn't it? His horse carried on, left him dangling there, where eventually he was found and killed. And... Um, so, uh, you know what? You could say it was his first bad hair day, couldn't you? <laughs> or uh, hair today gone tomorrow. But either way, it's kind of ironic that the thing that he prided his, himself on the most was the thing that it was a snare to him. And that, that's another sermon for another day. And we read in Proverbs that pride comes before a fall, quite literally, for Absalom. So you can kind of get, knowing this context of this story, you can kind of get why King David was fearful for his life. You can see why he was felt threatened and afraid, uh, uh, broken that his own son would betray him and fearful of what was going to happen. You can kind of understand why in those first two verses of, of uh, chapter 3, Psalm 3, he wrote, My enemies have increased. Many are rising up against me. He was in the depths of anxiety and fear. But we see a great model for prayer in this psalm for us too. And as I said, it's, it's as relevant 
as it is, was then as it is for us now. And then we see, and this is where we're going this morning, we see there's a progression from fear to faith. David's outlook became an uplook. He goes from asking and stating, I, I have, he was talking about the enemies that he's got and the little that he has. It goes from there to saying, but, but you are. But you are. He elevated his thinking. He shifted his focus. So there's three Selah moments in this. I mean, Freddie, we were debating last week how you say this. I'm rolling with Selah. You can say it how you like, but this is where we're rolling this morning. Selah, we see Selah, verse 3 and 4. I have so many enemies that are against me. Then he goes to Selah, but you are a shield around me. But, but... See, in verse, those first couple of verses, David's fear, but then in verse 3, there's a pause. There's that moment to take stock, that moment to reflect and to listen to God. And then what follows is a but. Verse 3, but you are a shield around me. You know when there's a but, and there's lots of buts in the Bible. I love buts. I take, <laughs> take this the right way. I, look, I love the buts here because there's something coming there's a contrast to what was before. And this is what we're seeing in this moment with David. The battle is real. The threat is real. The enemies are real. The fear seems legitimate. And then there's a but. Oh, Lord, you are the lifter of my head. You are my courage. You hear my voice. You answer me. You are my shield. And this morning, if you are facing a battle in your life, I want to encourage you to take a Selah moment to pause, to listen, to reflect on who God is. You know, Jesus never said that we'll be without troubles as a Christian. We've said this multiple times from this platform because we want to be real with you. Jesus never said, as soon as you become a Christian, you're going to breeze life. It's all going to go well and smoothly, the best it can be. You're going to live the best life ever. Jesus never said that. In fact, anyone that has told you that becoming a Christian, that'll happen, is wrong because it's not scriptural. It's not in the Bible. What Jesus does say is this. In the world, you'll have tribulation and distress and suffering. <sighs> wow, thank you, Jesus. But it goes on to say this, and then it's another book. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. That's what it says in the uh, Amplified Version. I love that. My conquest is accomplished, my victory is abiding. We will, we will face those fears and moments in our life, but Jesus has overcome, is victorious, is all conquering. I love uh, how David describes God as his shield. When our boys were little, we, we made a decision not to do guns. We didn't buy them guns. I don't know where you stand as parents on this, but we decided we, weren't gonna, we didn't want to encourage them. So I made them a shield and sword. And, <laughs> and they spent most of their older toddler years uh, bashing each other over the head with their sword and shield. <laughs> So there's just a warning for you. If you've got young kids, just think about that. But David describes God as his shield. And, it, and, and uh, a, a soldier wouldn't, he wouldn't enter a battle without a shield. It was an essential, absolutely essential part of his kit. And when David was declaring that the Lord is his shield, he was saying that God's presence is with us in the battle. And it's essential that we have the shield with us 
God as our shield. And he was saying that our God is our protector. When he's saying, you are a shield around me, it wasn't just a little piddly thing in front of him. It was like a really big shield that covers and protects. You are a shield around me. This metaphor of God as a shield, it's used about 15 times throughout the psalm. So it's important for us to pick up on a shield that's not only in front of us, but surrounding us, like Esther was praying earlier, around us, his God is covered. And even when it feels, like Alan was sharing earlier, even when it feels that God hasn't got us covered, we come to a point discovering, actually, has got us covered. He's with us. And David was a king, yes, as we've said, but he was also a warrior. So he also recognised the absolute value of uh, spending time with his shield before the battle. So it wasn't just like picking up a shield, come on, man, let's go into war, and grabbing it on the way. The Hebrews did, there was a Hebrew practice that they did, which was taking their shield at the start of every day, daily, and rubbing the shield with oil every morning. In fact, there's an instruction in the book of Isaiah, it says, get up, you officers, oil your shields, oil your shields. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons why they're commanded as an army, to take up their shields daily and oil it. It's because it helped deflect the enemy in hand-to-hand combat. So just picture this. You've got an enemy running towards you. Perhaps weren't smiling in battle. (laughs) And and you grab your shield and you pick it up and it's well oiled. So what would happen is the enemy would run towards it, jump and just slide off. (laughs) Just slip off. It, It kind of helped... Help do that, deflect the enemy in hand-to-hand combat. An anointed shield would also repel flaming arrows. It, it also, really importantly, renewed the leather covering that was on a wooden shield. It renewed it. We had an old leather sofa. I don't know if everyone's, anyone's had a leather sofa. I got it from Ikea, absolute bargain, a number of years ago. And I thought it was lasting really well. Then one day we noticed, on the arms especially, it was just cracking got rid of it it's just cracking all over what I'd not done silly me is you you meant to replenish the leather oh you're all nodding your head now where were you 10 years ago when I was (laughs) you have to replenish the leather so we didn't go for a leather sofa next (laughs) went for a fabric one didn't have to do that then it's it's important to replenish the leather so it doesn't become brittle and crack and and a, a good soldier would do follow that instruction to take up their shield daily, whether they're in a battle or not, but before every battle, every day, pick it up, oil it, replenish it, give life to it, so that when they were in the battle, they didn't have something that was dry and brittle and could break. I'm saying this aspect because it is so important for us as believers in Jesus Christ to oil our shields that anointed time with God. Sundays are not enough. Sundays in your life group, if you're in a life group, aren't enough. Daily devotion, it's called that because it's daily and it's devotion. (laughs) Take up your shield, oil it. Because you know what can happen? And I'm saying this so that you learn from my mistakes. You end up in a battle that you didn't see coming and you're not ready for it. Because life is funny like that. It throws things at us that we're not expecting. 
But in oil in our shield, we are expecting and we are ready. And that's what David was accustomed to doing. And we can become, we could be, we become hardened in, in battle, don't we? And we've seen people come and go in church because they've had battles in their own lives that they're perhaps not ready for. And there's much prayer and support and encouragement you can give them if, if they're in a place and they're brittle and not oiling their own shield. It's very hard when you face a battle. I want to encourage us this morning to oil our shields. Don't become hardened in the battle. There's a, a value for each of us to spend time with God daily. You know, maybe this morning you're feeling that, that you've even had a, had a job lifting your shield of faith because your shield is so dry and brittle and that shield is reminding you of a battle that you faced and things didn't go well. Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit, a daily anointing, a bee being filled with the Holy Spirit. He also says, if you're feeling dry, if you're weary, if you're battle-worn, there's an invitation, come to me, he says. Come to me at your worst, at your driest, at your thirtiest. Come to me and drink. There's a place, a source of replenishment this morning through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage us in that. Next Selah moment that we see, I think I've been behind on this. Just ignore the PowerPoint. It's just, <laughs> I'm on the wrong thing. There we go. Next Selah moment is this. And this is incredible. This is powerful. Verse five to six, that in that Selah moment, David said, Selah, he paused, reflect, listen to God. And this is just transforming. I will not fear. He says, I will. It's an amazing statement considering that he's still in the position where he was at the start of this psalm. The enemies were still around him. His son was still after him. His kingship could have been in ruins. Everything was about to be taken off him. But he said this, in the face of that, I will not fear. Have you ever had those nights where you just can't sleep? Yeah? Just this things that go off in your mind. And the more you think about going to sleep, the more you stay awake. Have you ever had that? I've got to go to sleep, got to go to sleep, got to go to sleep. Oh, and you're still awake, you're still awake. I've been there. There was a life group one night, uh, and a, a, we had a great night at life group, always do, uh, and uh, came home, unpacked it with Penny. Oh, brilliant night at life group. Went to bed. Uh, Penny's my wife, if you're wondering. Went to, went to bed. And at two o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, I woke up, cold sweats. I couldn't get comfortable. I couldn't get back to sleep. And then the fear was building in, my, in me. And then I was like, my heart was racing like this. I'm thinking, I'm going to die. Something's going, I'm, I'm having a cardiac or something. And so I wake up, Penny, two o'clock in the morning. Penny, Penny, I think I'm having a heart attack. She's, and she so calmly just rolled over to me. And she said, Andrew, how many coffees did you have at Life Group tonight? <laughs> I said, oh, I think I might have had three or four, maybe five. And she's like, there. And she just rolled over and went back to sleep. And, and in, in that moment, my, my fears dispelled of what could have been as my wise wife spoke into that situation. 
I have never had three or four or five coffees, six coffees in life group again since. We even try decaf now, don't we, in the evening? Um, there's probably things, though, in all seriousness, that have kept us awake at night and worries about health, our kids, finance, what's going to happen in the future. And I'm sure we've had those nights where we can't sleep. But after this Selah moment, David's prayer, he discovers rest. He says in verse 3, I lay down and slept. <laughs> I lay down and slept. Someone's sleeping here. <laughs> yeah, I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. He slept. It's a sound effect for every time I say it. <laughs> he slept. Because instead of focusing on his situation, he discovered resting God from reflecting on God. There were still thousands after him, but he discovered this peace that meant he could even sleep in the middle of his battle. The circumstance hadn't changed, but his focus had shifted. His focus had changed. And it reminds us of the occasion, doesn't it, when Jesus was asleep in the boat and uh, he was in a deep sleep, it tells us. And the disciples were awake because there was a storm that was raging. It wasn't just a, a little drizzle that passed over like we had earlier. It was a, it was a big storm and the boat would have been rocking uh, and the, the disciples were terrified. In fact, it says that they, were, they thought they were going to die. They're so afraid and fearful. And they, it says that they woke up Jesus. They woke up Jesus. In the, but it's interesting because they, they didn't wake up Jesus because of their faith. They woke him up because of their fear. I'm going to say that again. They woke up Jesus not because of their faith, but because of their fear. In the battles that we're in, we can come to God, not because of our fear, but in faith that God is in control, is all sovereign. These guys were so fixated on the storm, they forgot who was with them. They forgot that Jesus was in the boat. And we we read this, that David was surrounded by his enemies, but more than that, he was surrounded by the peace and the presence of Almighty God. He had a hope and a reassurance with him in the the midst of that battle because of who was with him. Some of you may know this story, but um, for a couple of years on and off, I was um, bullied at school by the same guy and some of his crew. And um, it, it wasn't good. I didn't like secondary school, didn't enjoy it because of things like that that took place. And um, I was working with my dad, I worked with my dad in the summertime, trying to earn some dollar. He was a painter and decorator, so I would go to work with him. And uh, I think it wasn't child labor back then, uh, but he did, I was 13 years old. Anyway, uh, so between 13 and 15, we used to go to work with him in the school holidays. And one day we was painting a house out, outside in San Diego, and I could see riding up the street was the guy who'd bullied me for that previous couple of years. And I don't know what it was in that moment, but something rose up. And I'm, I'm not saying this is the way to deal with it. Okay, hear me right. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge him. So I put my paintbrush down and I walked over to where he was riding. And uh, I said, oi, you, I want a word with you. And he threw down his bike in complete anger. And then in that moment, I was like, what have I just done? <laughs> Talking about being gripped with fear. And then um, 
Then he said all sorts of profanities to me. And then all of a sudden, I was like, he, he said, all right, this day forward, it's over. And he put his hand out towards me. I thought, thank you, Jesus. What's this about? And we shook hands. He picked up his bike and he rode off. I was like, whoa, must have been, must have been flexing some then. <laughs> Lifting them 1kg dumbbells are really working. And it, I saw him ride off in the distance and I was like, wow. And I turned around to walk back to my paintbrush and my dad was stood there like this <laughs> behind me. He'd been there the whole time and I wasn't aware. I, I didn't realise how close my dad was to me. And you know what? Sometimes in life we, we forget how close Father God is to us. When we're confronted with things, when things become difficult, we, we have that incredible promise of his presence in our lives, even though we don't always feel it. Feelings come and go. This is where faith and trust step in. That he is with us. Hold on to that promise. And it's who is with us that makes a greater difference than who is against us. And King David discovered that in his life. Last week, um, Dave shared a testimony and uh, he, he spoke about um, feeling calm despite the results that he'd got in that moment. He, felt, he said he felt a calm. I won't, I won't forget that. He's basically saying that in that moment, God was with him. When he got them results, when he should have been fearful about what was ahead and what was coming, he, he said, I felt a calm. Philipp, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and listen to this, and the peace of God, not just our peace, not just peace that we look for in other places around the world, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's above our level of thinking, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. That's powerful. So in the throes of anxiety and fear and stresses, like David, we can refocus, we can realign, we can reflect, we can give it all to him. And in him, in Jesus Christ, there's a peace that passes understanding, a perfect peace, a peace that is the perfect antidote to our fears, a peace that's found in him alone. Final thing I just want to share, I'm going to ask if the musicians would come and join me. Not really got a third point, and a lot of sermons have a third point, don't they? But this, this hasn't got a third point, but there is a third Selah moment in this prayer, and Verse 8 says, David wrote, Victory comes from you, Lord. May you bless your people, Selah. Just as David comes to that third Selah in his prayer, he makes this incredible declaration, Victory comes from you, Lord. May you bless your people, Selah. What an absolute turnaround in this psalm. It turns from fear and helplessness to speaking victory and blessing. This morning, maybe some of us need to say to our fears and anxieties and speak victory and blessing over them. There's that transformation that took place in this psalm in David's life because his faith shifted perspective and he focused on God. And I want to encourage us to, to focus our attention on him. The writer of Hebrews said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith.
I'm about done, but I just want to share a story about a guy called, a young guy called Ethan Hallmark. Has anyone heard of him? No one. I could quote a great preacher or evangelist or missionary in this moment, but I want to quote this guy, a 13-year-old lad, Ethan Hallmark. He loved, loved baseball, loved Jesus, had a thriving relationship with Jesus, but he also had a rare form of childhood, childhood cancer called neuroblastoma, and he got to stage four, and he wasn't going to survive. And sadly, this uh, disease took his life. But he, had, he lived with an inspiring faith that has made a difference to hundreds, thousands of people around the world. And you can, if, you, if you're into documentaries, there's a documentary about his life. It's called um, Many Other Wonders, which is actually a, a line from another psalm. Many Other Wonders, look it up. It's an inspiring story. But he said this, at the start we talked about David being chased after his son. And so we're ending at this point as well. Ethan said this, David's own son started chasing after him. Even though I'm being chased endlessly by this disease, God is right beside me through it all. 13-year-old, 13-year-old lad this is. Running this marathon is not easy, but I focus on the goal of eternal life. He had a different focus other than his disease. Even though the disease chased him down and eventually took his life, he placed his life in God's hands. I focus on the goal of eternal life. He said this, God is right beside me through it all. You know, if a 13-year-old boy facing stage four cancer can say that, oof. If King David facing a vast army can say, the Lord's watching over me, we can be encouraged in our fears and battles too, that God surrounds us. The very last words, recorded words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, and Esther actually uh, said this earlier as you were praying. Jesus said this, I'm with you always, even to the very end. Whatever battle we face, whatever comes against us, whatever battle and situation we find ourselves in, we have that reassurance of the promise of Jesus Christ that he is with us right till the end. He's with us in our battles. He's with, it, with us in our fears. He's with us in our sleepless nights and in our future. But I want to encourage you where there are fears to look to him in faith. And as David discovered, see what God can do. Can I invite you to stand if you're able to? So we can see, can't we? This psalm is as much for us today as it was the day that David penned it. Maybe today we do need to start speaking victory and blessing in the face of our fears. Maybe we need to discover that peace that we find in Jesus when the storms are raging around us. Maybe we feel that our fears have kept us locked in a prison Jesus says this freedom, freedom in him. Maybe faith, uh, fear has, has caused us to be disheartened. And you remember I said about the shield, maybe we become bitter and broken and brittle. 
I want to encourage you in this moment just to allow God to stir your faith again through the power of His Holy Spirit. Maybe your fears have isolated you. This is a good place to be around people that have had their own battles. It's good to stay in fellowship in one another. But maybe where fear is isolated, may the presence of Jesus be real to you in this moment. I've asked the musicians if we can just sing over our lives. It may look like we're surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. What an amazing declaration. And as we sing this, I want to encourage you to just lift up your fears to God. Those things that are an uncertainty in your life, those things that you're fearful of, whether it's finance, health, family situations, I want to encourage you to lift them up to God. Whatever it is that surrounds you in your life right now, we're declaring this morning that God surrounds you through His powerful presence in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that as we declare this song this morning, that we'll have a fresh revelation of God with us. Lord God, I pray for those who are seeking rest, that they find rest. For those in battle, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen Lord, for those who feel feel that they've not picked up their shield on a daily basis and given it fresh oil, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just flow in and through their lives. In Jesus' name, upon George, you lead us, mate. Thank you. Jesus, Jesus. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm.